Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Phil, content like trigger warning. I try to talk to production. They have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. But there are some things that I'm bringing up today that it might make you feel uncomfortable. It might bring up some stuff. And so I want to prepare you and tell you that I may, I may say something that may have something perk up in here. Take care of yourself well, okay? If you have to go get a drink of water, like walk around and stuff, please do that because I understand that part of my story may be very uncomfortable. But I want to give you that little bit of heads up. Or you're like, ooh, what is she going to say? Or my husband who's like, no, she needs the content advisory warning because the last time she spoke at the relationship series, I no longer trust what she says. We review every note, every single slide she sends over now. That is why. Major trust issues. Yes. This is fun. I really, I love, I love, I get to do this. I love that I get the opportunities. I love that Pastor Aaron believes in me and allows me to continue doing things with the church and serving in this way. So I want to ask some questions, and I like group participation. You don't have to, so if you can, show some hands if you've gone through something like this. Have you ever gone through something and tried to talk with someone about it just to walk away feeling a sort of way, like, ugh, don't know how that went? Maybe you felt like you should have remained silent. Maybe your feelings were completely overlooked and invalidated, or that you felt pushed back down in order to keep a status quo. And it leads you to a place where you stop sharing, you stop talking with others, you let things build up within you, and even lead you you to a place where you're completely attached or unattached, you're avoiding everything, and maybe you've felt detached and then you don't even need relationships. I don't need them anymore, because why bother? I don't need to talk to anybody. Maybe you've decided that because why? It never helps anyways. And so if you said yes, or maybe you like raised your hand because you're brave and you're like, yes, I have felt this way before, it seems to me that you've probably experienced what we call spiritual bypass. And that's what I'm talking about today. It's a little uncomfy, but what spiritual bypass is, is how it happens to us. We're talking about how it happens to us, how we do it to others, and what we can do as a community together to serve and love others by showing them Jesus instead of simply pointing to Jesus. So my prayer all week is that you walk away, you feel informed about this, that you feel like you have something you can do with this information, you have some next steps lined up, that's my favorite thing to talk about. If you talk with me often, I'm like, all right, what are you going to do next? What's, what can you do next? With the information that you have, what can you do? So what's spiritual bypassing? It's a term that was coined in the 80s by a psychotherapist named John Wellwood. He was actually serving in a Buddhist community, and he started watching what was happening with some of their behaviors, himself and the Buddhist monks that he was serving with. And he defined it as this tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. And so some other ways to think about it, too, are like toxic positivity, love and light, sending good vibes. I know you all heard it. Good vibes only. We wear the T-shirts. I have a gym T-shirt that says that. I I, I had to do some thinking this week. Also preface with, if I have said some of these things to you, I'm very sorry. And I will have to issue you an apology. In fact, as I was studying, I was like, Aaron, I think I may have texted some of this to a friend recently. Like, I, I need to work on this and really think about this differently. So he, 
he sees that this is happening, that they're sidestepping, people are being simply dismissed with spiritual explanations because we can't disconnect our spirituality from our mind and body. It's all connected, these three parts, your mind, body, and spirit. And so when we try to disconnect it and compartmentalize, bam, spiritual bypass happens. So this definition is newer, 80s, so new, because like I'm approaching 40 in a few years, and it was in the 80s, so like newer, friends. But the actions here are oldest humanity. And so that definition, like thinking about it, you might think, okay, make it make sense. And so here's some lines where it really shows up in our lives. And again, because I like group activities, raise your hand if you maybe heard the following, some of this phrasing. There's some different areas we talk about it. With heaven, the earth is sinful and broken. All will be made right in heaven. When we talk about God's sovereignty, Lord, him being Lord over creation, supreme power or authority. His ways are higher than our ways, so don't try to understand this one about spiritual disciplines. If, the conditional if, if you would give, if you would fast, if you would volunteer, you would be blessed. When it comes to unity, if you disagree or complain, you are causing division. When it comes to vision, I know you're suffering, but you're a part of something bigger, so it's worth it. Oh, oh, so maybe this topic will hit home today. Okay. Love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Well, love may not, but I'm here to tell you my husband does. In fact, we were at dinner last night, and so I'm talking about <laughs> prepping sermon with him. And I'm like, I have this really funny thing I want to share, Derek, because it's like love, you know, keeps no record of wrongs. And what I wrote was false because my husband does. And then immediately he was like, oh, yeah, I do. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? He was like, love may not, Kyle, but I do. Here's how I know, too. We recently just led a marriage group. We've been married almost 16 years. And the dude still remembers that the week of our wedding, I tried to donate a bag of his clothes and they were hidden in his best man's trunk because I'm like, he doesn't need these anymore. He's not wearing them. <laughs> 16 years. He keeps a record of wrongs. Lols. They were the only colorful shirts. Black, pastel black, charcoal black, faded black, holy black. Worn black. He only wears black. If you have him and my husband, he's the one guy walking around with the same, it looks like the same outfit 24-7, and it's not because he owns like four or 500 black t-shirts. <laughs> Love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> We're doing great. <laughs> but then there's these other three things that we say too, and this you might start to see where you might say it to others. Someone said it to you and how much the impact has. We say something like, with prayer, just pray about it. We stop there. When it comes to our faith, if you just had more faith, and especially when we talk about forgiveness, you know what? You have to forgive. You have to forget. You have to move on. Those are what I really feel like when studying this. Is like Those are the three what I think can be the most devastating. And we say them because we have a, a good intention, but the impact can be incredibly harmful and detrimental to people. And so there's some example behaviors of how, how this happens because, yeah, we, we talk about those phrases. We might have said that. And so this is learning and understanding this, but spiritual bypassing, bypassing, bypassing woo, is a superficial way of glossing over problems. It's a way that makes us feel better in the short term 
but ultimately solves nothing and just leaves the problem to linger a little bit longer. Maybe you've experienced it this way, and this is how a behavior of it shows up in the bypassing. We lose a loved one, and people tell surviving relatives that the deceased is in a better place and that it was all part of God's plan because it feels good to say that. We think we're doing something good with that. Or when we're angry and we're upset that something's happened to us and what someone else has done to us, but when we try to share our feelings with someone, we're just told to stop being so negative. So we feel a little bit pushed down. Or when someone, a friend, a family member regularly crosses boundaries and behaves in a way that's hurtful to other family members, other friendships, and rather than confront the behavior we and talk about how harmful that is, we feel like we should repress the anger, repress the feelings, and remain overly tolerant. And because we do that, because we tend to bypass these feelings, the way that this shows up, it's sneaky. The dynamics of this are incredibly sneaky. And it's because we want to skip over things that are difficult to think about, difficult to work through. And we first see it talking about why we're built a little bit this way. Like, our, we're ha- we have so many emotions. Our hearts are built certain ways. We see it in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts. We need God to help unmask and unpack the things that are deep into our motivators, into our hearts, and it's easy to fall into this spiritual bypassing for multiple reasons. This is where I like to take notes. So you got that connect card. One, we avoid dealing with our pain and trauma. And we use things like prayer to, um, we can use things like prayer to help process our pain, our trauma, our troubles, our grief. And if no one's ever told you that before, it's okay. You can take that. But we don't want to use prayer to just cover up our pain because we can use our prayer to to deal with it, to explore it, to help find areas where we need additional resources or help. So what I also don't want you to do is walk away thinking like, oh, she's talking about spiritual bypassing. Get help outside of talking to Jesus and God. Do we need him? Do we not? You do. But what we're doing is we're we're bypassing the need for Jesus. We're bypassing this need for God because we're like, oh, we're spiritual. We have it all figured out because we're stuffing it all down instead of exploring it, instead of talking about it. Number two, we want to avoid feeling someone else's pain. Just pray about it. Thoughts and prayers. I saw y'all's Facebook sometimes. As working in a flower shop bivocationally, I can't tell you the amount of times over nine years that I've written thoughts and prayers on a card and wondered, what would we do if our thoughts and prayers, if we went beyond the thoughts and prayers, if we actually did something beyond thoughts and prayers? Three, we want to avoid hard work. We are creatures of comfort. And sometimes we can even look at things like prayer or faith or even knowing God and thinking about heaven and thinking about the fact that those seem invisible in a lot of aspects and it's really difficult to measure sometimes. And then in that space, it gives us little immediate accountability and then we just think we're doing the part. Thoughts and prayers. In other ways too, we, sorry, we avoid hard work. We want to get married. But guess what? Now it's just easier to pray for a spouse than ask somebody out on a date. We're like, Lord Jesus, help me find a job. But we don't want to update our resume and start sending it out. And on a wider level, too, we start bypassing because we refuse to address social issues because the only answer is Jesus. You want to stuff somebody down? Say that to them. Say that to somebody who's bringing up a social issue and just say, all we can do is pray. No, that's not. That's not. We're bypassing. Maybe we want to shift the responsibility. 
Well, I'm praying, so it's in God's hands, and he knows where I live. We bypass to excuse and minimize our mistakes. It's human nature to want to blame something or someone else when we make a mistake. And we want to avoid getting the blame. Hello, Adam and Eve. It's my absolute favorite story to read through. It's an absolute favorite theological argument to get into with anybody because I love breaking down who was wrong, who was right. Adam and Eve, you will see Derek and Kyle fall apart, absolutely tearing this apart because we want to avoid taking the blame. Just read it. It's, it's truly fascinating. We'll say other things, too, to bypass and make excuses. The devil made me do it. Okay. That's a, that is another sermon for another time. Another favorite. God could have stopped me. And I'm like, sidebar, hello, free will. Like, we want the free will. And then we're like, but God could have stopped me because I was over here doing all this dumb stuff. God could have stopped me. Okay. okay. And then we say things like this, too. God works all things together for his good, including my mistakes. Yes, that is true. But it was not the ideal scenario to work with. Hello, Adam and Eve. There's still consequences for our mistakes. We're still responsible for our decisions and actions. Again, hello, Adam and Eve. And then what happened, too, is like they're separated from God. That was not the ideal scenario to work with. And God's like, okay. Okay, also, this is like, this is like drunk history Bible hour if I'm going to repeat something back. God's like, okay. You did this, not ideal, this is what's going to happen. No, this was a separation that happens. This was not what God intended from the beginning. Other ways that we continue to bypass, we justify ongoing bad behavior. It becomes twofold. People use the Bible and their spiritual practices to enable their inappropriate behavior. I'm going to say that super harshly, too, because I study a lot about religious indoctrination and religious abuse, and that's what I truly feel happens, that people use Scripture Use how God can show up in someone's life, and they abuse people with it, and they use terrible and inappropriate behaviors to keep people under their thumb, under their certain power. And that can be dangerous, wildly dangerous, creating deeper pathways, deeper ongoing hurt. And then that person ends up spiritually bypassing too because they're like, well, I'm just part of this. It's my suffering. It's part of a bigger plan. There's also other ways too we want to justify our ongoing bad behavior. I'm not going to show you grace and mercy, but I demand that you give it to me when I mess up rather than change my poor behavior or blaming others instead of owning it. So a lot of this walking through it, like I can't even begin to describe sometimes the amount of anger, pain, the absolute chaos that spiritual bypassing has brought into my life as a result of people engaging this. And then using my own spiritual bypassing. So like I said, it's like twofold. Like we can say it to others, but we can also have it happen to us. So when I was 12, 13, seventh grade, met my friend Laura. We were in choir. She invited me to church. Maybe you've heard part of this story before. We were going to have a sleepover, but I got I to gotta go to church with her in the morning if I'm going to spend the night Saturday night. So excited because I'm hanging out with my friend. And we go to church the next day. And this is like one of my absolute first times remembering going to church. And just falling in love with that environment, the community, and hearing this pastor talking about Jesus and how much different our life could be. And so I'm like, yes. I'm already high energy, so anytime it's like you can join, like, yes, okay. I'm, it's just, I'm shocked I haven't fallen to MLMs way more because I'm like, yes, you get this, you get this. <sighs> but Jesus, oh my gosh, I was so excited to learn about this guy, Jesus, and how my life could look different. So I'm like sold out. I am immediately that person who is on fire for God, 
don't know how to deal with some of my behaviors. My parents are here too. They can tell you because I'm like, we got to get to church right now. I'm losing my mind and I'm acting terribly, but then I'm getting to church like, oh, Jesus, right? Because I'm 13. I don't, know how to, I don't know what to do with my hands and my emotions and stuff. And so I'm sold out, serving on missions. Felt I was going to grow up and be a missionary. Definitely knew I was supposed to live near the church. Lols, because this is what I'm still doing, living near the church, loving people. And I love that. Continued serving in choir, doing all the things with Laura, going to youth group. I love groups, small groups, part of my all-time favorite things about growing up. Really love the leaders, really love the youth pastor that I had growing up. It was devastating when he moved away. But when I tell you that, I really thought I could trust that small group leader, especially knowing where they live. Spent a lot of time at their house in that small group with the people that I was hanging out with and who were in my assigned small group. And they were kind of set up like as a life group, so you kind of were with them for let's say, like, two or three years until they, like, changed you off or whatever, you know, like the, like the graduate to a different level. But so I get to know Jesus at, like, 13, and I'm grown up a little bit, dating a little bit more, and I start dating a guy. And I have some pretty good boundaries in place, too. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do group dating. I'm not hanging out at their house alone. I spend a lot of time hang, hanging out at my own parents' house because mom and dad were home, and we all got to hang out as a group. Mom and dad can tell you, big group hangouts all the time. So you can imagine my surprise. This is trigger warning, friends. When I go out for a group date, and I end up in a place where I'm by myself with this person, somebody I'm supposed to be able to trust, who I'm kind of dating, who I think understands my boundaries and what I'm not willing to do, what I'm not willing to participate in because I love Jesus. And also I grew up in a youth group who had a really chaotic purity culture theology and how they treated you if something happened. So... Something happens to me, and I run away from this space, and I run down. Actually, I'm only like a mile or something away from my group leader, not my youth pastor, my group leader. And then an open-door policy, so I'm hustling in and share, like, what had happened because I immediately left this situation, left my shoes, didn't know what had happened. And I can still remember my feet thudding on the pavement, running down to this youth group leader. And explaining what had happened. So this is why I'm saying take care of yourself well this morning. We're talking about spiritual bypassing. And it's kind of all hugs at first. And I'm sharing like, I don't know why he did this. Like we've been dating a long time. But I have, like I've done everything right. I've been in group. We're doing this. And I start to hear things like, well, we don't want to say too much. Because he started coming to church. And he serves now. And I'm like, what about me? Great. So what do, what do I hear? I start hearing things like, you got to forgive, Kyle. you got to forget. you got to move on. And so I tried to do that because I'm trying to do the right things. I'm trying to listen to my youth group leader. I'm trying to be like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to date this person anymore, so that'll be okay. And in the process of that, my spiritual bypassing truly started because I started treating myself terribly because I had tons of rage at that person. Tons of rage of doing what I thought was the right thing and going to somebody and speaking up and then being told, well, like, but they're serving. And like, we're going to stuff it down. And to me, that's looking at a system that's bad. That's looking at protecting somebody else and enabling poor behavior. Not only that, I lost a ton of friends due to this because I was speaking up like, this isn't right. This happened. I'm not dating this person. I don't want to be around that person. Anybody who was trying to date, I'm like, nope. You don't want that. I've known Derek since I was 12 years old, but we didn't date the entire time from 12 until we got married. So I don't even know if he knew what was exactly happening at the time. Plus, I was all mad at him because 
he was dating some girl who treated him like trash and he just didn't want to listen to me when I was telling him. Because why? I speak up about that stuff. So when I encountered it, I was like, no, I will not. But I also had people who were like, no, you forgive, you forget. He's serving. Look, you're going to ruin his life if we say something. What about me? It left me completely unprotected, not heard, dismissed, invalidated, unimportant. That's a true moment in my life where I let my spiritual bypassing get in the way for a number of years. Number of years. Even down to thinking that getting married would fix it. We're going to do it right. We're going to get married. We're young. We're dumb. (laughs) He'll say it too. But even thinking, that's just going to make me feel good. And when we get married, guess what? We're going we're gonna to leave our moms and dads. We're going to cling to each other. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to feel whole. Wrong. So, so wrong. Ten years into my marriage, friends, before gaining some clarity and understanding about what I was stuffing down into my life and needing to work through simply because of spiritual bypassing of what someone was doing to me and then what I was doing to myself. Ten years dealing with that of, like, God just... I'm bringing stuff up. Fix me. Change me. Make me a different person. Why is it not working? Just leaving it in a prayer. Talking to a few people. Just pray about it. I'm like, what is happening with this? Like, my, my life wasn't supposed to look like this. My marriage wasn't supposed to look like this. Ten years. We've been married almost 16. We talk about this, too, in our marriage group of saying, like, hey, you can either do it like us for ten years and then get some healthy or start working on some healthy now and have a much better marriage overall because we want that for you. But there was stuff that I took literally into my marriage, that baggage that we talk about, spiritual bypass all the way into there. And until just a handful of years ago, learning how to work through some of the painful, difficult moments, even talking about it with others, talking about it with my husband and not showing up in ways too that my husband's not doing it. He loves me. He's keeping a record of wrongs, (laughs) clearly. But he loves me. I know that he is, like, I know that he is for me. I know that he loves me without a shadow of a doubt. I know that, but now I also know that he's keeping a list, so that's fun. But that was, that's what I've been doing the last, you know, the last um, handful of years, working through so much of this and learning, like, we shouldn't be stuffing this stuff down. We should be talking about it. It is okay. It's okay to pray about this stuff and do some work through it. So that brings us to asking, like, what can we do as a Christian response? Because you're like, whoa, that was a lot. Don't know that I want to handle that. Yeah, i.e. the spiritual bypass. Because that was a lot. That's rough. So what we can do to avoid it and work differently is we don't want to just point to Jesus. We want to show them Jesus. And we read the book of James, which is a way of living authentically. We can find some sarcasm, which is actually hilarious to me because he does. I feel like he uses it or it's just how I read it. But James also talks about how we can make it through some of the challenges of our life and even kind of feel victorious walking through them. So number one for this Christian response is hold space. James 1.19 reads, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm going to say this, because this is interesting. Scripture doesn't say that we can't experience anger. It It says slow to anger. So when someone's making you feel a certain way or saying something to you because you shouldn't be angry about that, pipe down, don't speak out, slow to anger, slow If you don't trust me, if you don't trust me, that's fine. I'm just encouraging you to go back through and read James. Absolutely fine. So when we sit down with others and we're looking, they're looking to share something vulnerable. There's a way to make room for them by allowing them to speak. We can gain understanding of their 
their experience and ask questions. There's something that you might have even heard me say too when we sit down and I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Unpack that for me. Or tell me more about that because I'm just looking to gain experience into what you're sharing here. I might even say that. It's a helpful thing that we can do when we're holding space for someone. People need a space that is loving, non-judgmental, and empathetic. We can learn to practice compassion when we're holding space. Use deep listening. Put your phone down. Don't try not to be distracted by everything else when someone's sharing something vulnerable. Use unconditional positive regard. Now, this one's a practice, too. That we're resting and knowing that no matter what this person has done or who this person is, in this moment, friends, when we're looking to hold space, that the listener, we still hold that person with a deep respect, compassion, and a positive regard for them. And we sit in the present with this person. And I want to give you some freedom here, too. We're not trying to fix them. We're not trying to change them. We're not trying to change anything of the situation. We're just creating this space for them to sit and be vulnerable. This is part two where we're allowing the person to feel their feelings. Now, I'm not saying this is allowing them to like berate you, yell at you, cuss you out, anything. No, it's like where I'm sharing something like that, that you're like, okay, okay, we're feeling something. And instead of doing something like, wow, I'm feeling really uncomfortable with this, I'm going to hand her a tissue because I don't know what to do with any of this cryle happening. Cryle is my nickname because I cry a lot. And I find it hilarious, and I was a little personally offended that Pastor Laney didn't call me that in front of everybody because it's so funny to me. Also very relatable. But we're like, we're going to give her this tissue because we're uncomfortable with this cryo mess happening. No. It's because we're going to let us feel our feelings a little bit. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel mad. And then we can breathe and remain grounded, holding space for each other. Even if we have to remind ourselves and we take that heavy breath. We might even say, wow, that's a lot. Sometimes I'll even say, that's a complicated order because someone's sharing something and it's like they need to feel too. That's, they're going through a lot. It's a complicated order. And also when we're holding space, we don't have to take on their pain. We don't have to make it our own. So I know that there's stuff that I shared, but you don't have to take on that pain for me. That's the best part about doing some of this work is you don't have to do that. It's feeling compassion. It's feeling empathetic towards people. Even maybe thinking I'm pathetic, that's okay. And this is where we can hold space for each other. But spiritual bypassing, really what it does is it hurts those who have braved the waters of, waters of vulnerability, which is why it's always important to hold space. So it's the first thing we can do as a Christian response. And two, pray. And pray now. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We can talk about our sins and our issues and ask others to pray for us, which can be scary. But also, our walk with God is not as personal as we believe that it is. It's a community effort, and this isn't something so that we can pardon each other's sins and forgive each other's sins. This isn't like some other places where you have to go and you have to... um, you used, to like a, you used to buy the indulgences. So you did something, you buy this indulgence, you go turn it into the church, and you got your sins parted. Um, this is not like that, doing praying for each other and doing a pray now type of experience. This is so we can be in a community effort together because it's not our job to fix that. It's not our job to address or forgive, address that sin issue. There's, there's a work that God has to do in that person, but it's our job to do the work together, to be into this community effort together to pray and pray down. Also, because this is how we know what's going on in other people's lives. 
where we struggle and that we know what's happening with them. And it begs the question, who knows you? Who knows the real you? We've got almost 130 plus people that are here on a Sunday morning. And I know that that is difficult to have a very tight relationship with everybody where you're like, ooh, let me go ahead and talk about my sin issues over here. No, that's not exactly what I'm saying. We want community effort, but you want some people to know the real you. Jesus knew lots of people. Jesus had 12. And then he had one. So I'm like, if that's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me to have somebody I can go share my sin issues with and talk about that and also share what I've got going on with my life. And instead of, you know, 130 plus people knowing all the, the chaos that ensues all the time. But it's hard. But we have to work on that, really having those relationships with other people. And also because there's nothing worse than dealing with things or suffering things in absolute silence. Absolutely. Nothing worse. I also want to share, too, that like in our prayer lives, what we can do, prayer should accompany action, not just replace it. Thoughts and prayers. It should bring pain points to light, but not hide it. And prayer can facilitate healing, but not enable continued bad behavior or even abuse. And prayer should direct and empower our efforts and not excuse our laziness. That's one, that's one that I think of, of, like, God, I just want a job but I'm not going to update my resume. God, I really want to win the lottery. And then God's like, buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> Direct it in power, not excuse our laziness. And so that brings me to even thinking about the last point of what we can do as a Christian response. Number three, just going to walk it out. Galatians 6.2, we're going to share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Ooh, that's hard. Because it's much easier to be like, praying for you, thinking of you, thoughts and prayers. I'm going to say that over and over again because you're going to realize how silly it seems when you say it to somebody. And if you think you're too important to help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Also, I didn't write that. That's actually biblical. So you can be mad at Galatians there. Someone was like, oh, clutch is pearl. She did not call me unimportant. Nope. That was just scripture. And I knew it would get there too. And that's why I left it as a slide. Share each other's burdens. Yes, that's hard. In this way, obey the law of Christ. Okay, I want to because I love Jesus. Not just thoughts and prayers. James 2, 15 through 16. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? That is literally the epitome of thoughts and prayers. Go in peace, keep warm, well-fed, does nothing. And I think about that, too, because I've read James a lot of times, and there's been a sermon series we've done called Dang James, because he does kind of, like, gets on you a little bit. But even thinking about that was, like, that's a little sarcastic that he's saying, like, go in peace, stay warm and well-fed. And I was thinking I'm going to start saying that to people, too, because it's pretty sarcastic, but also just what it sounds like when we're not going to do anything about it. Serving people around here, too. We have, we have an extensive homeless community around Reynoldsburg, and we have the opportunity to take them blankets. And I cannot imagine just being like, keep warm and well-fed. Just dropping off this blanket. And, y'all, I was freezing that day. We went out there, and I was like, Lord Jesus, do a work in me because these people are out here living like this, and I just want to, like, give them all the covering stuff. And also was like, thank you, Jesus, for putting me back in this warm car after. But also, go in, go in peace, stay warm and well-fed. What would that have done instead of being like, what do you need? 
How can I help you? Oh, you need propane. You didn't actually need the blanket. You need something else to survive. Got it. Asking the questions, being there. So how can we walk it out? We create a plan. Again, what do you need? How can I help you? What can you do right now? What can I do right now? Even accountability. Ooh, that accountability word. It feels bad. We feel like we're going to be in trouble. Sometimes it's just asking the question, when can you do that by? Hey, you need to talk to somebody. When are you going to schedule that call by? When are you going to have that conversation? I've been asking my daughter that this week. She's been sharing something. I'm like, great. When are you going to have that conversation? She tells me maybe before my next shift. Great. When's the next shift? We serve others. This is, this is one of those things, too. And I know that we say, I am, I am so guilty of saying this. We serve them. And we think we're serving them well. And we say, let me know if you need anything. They probably need something. In fact, recently, uh, just sharing or even scrolling a little bit of social media, there's this terminology called like grief groceries. And I was watching the responses where people do say like they lose a loved one or they are going through a massive life change. And instead of the, the, the hands that are like, hey, let me know if you need anything, because the sentiment is good, right? Like if, if someone reached out and said, hey, Kyle, I need some stuff while I'm going through it, I'd be like, yeah, here's a pizza or here's some groceries. Or I'm going to tell Derek, hey, we're going to cook a meal because you cook and I don't, and we're going to take it to them. But that's, that's how I think about let me know if you, if you need something. And instead, these other people who are like, we're not even going to ask if they need something. We're just going to deliver groceries to their house. I don't know. It may not be even what they eat, but you know what? They don't have to think about it. They don't have to take the burden and put it back onto you because you're just already thinking about them. Hey, I'm going to send ramen. I'm going to send something because sometimes walking through the grief process, you can't get yourself out of bed. You can't even think about the next meal. You've got your kids to take care of or your spouse that you're trying to take care of too, walking through grief. And man, that tur- like thinking about the grief groceries, I was like, that is the way to do it. I don't want to continue living my life in a way where I'm like, hey, let me know if you need something, which is also why I said at the beginning, if I have said something like that, I'm very sorry. Because I don't want to walk out the door and continue to live like that. Now, if you start opening your door when you're walking through something next time, you're like, Kyle sent ramen? Yes. You also don't want Kyle to cook. But yes. And maybe some snackies and chocolate. Because chocolate helps a lot. It might be some stuff like that. A great example was 2019, shiny moment in my head staff. We were just hiring for the first time. So, oh my gosh, Aaron was very excited. We had no office furniture. We were sitting on the ground. And Aaron sends it. He sells it to us. I'm going to take you to a beautiful lunch. It's the first time we have staff. It's going to be a great day. And we're all like, yeah. What was there, four of us? Four of us. And then my kiddo, she's on spring break that week. And so Aaron's like, yeah, bring Drez. And we go to lunch. And we have a great lunch. And then we all get the norovirus. And we are disgusting and sick. And the Smiths have one, bath- one bathroom in their house. So you can imagine, if you've ever seen the movie Bridesmaids, that's all the picture I need to paint. But here's how people are serving us. They're like, listen, don't answer the door. But we already know that you guys are all ill. Staff all out the rest of this week. We're all in bad shape. Every one of us gone down. And we had people who were like, don't answer the door, but there's Powerade on your front porch. There are crackers. There are things to help you feel better, things I didn't even know we, what we needed because I was like, I, I can't exist anymore. We are so sick. My little my dress at the time being like, Daddy, no, I need the bathroom. And he's like, save yourself. And he's kicking a trash can out of the bathroom. Y'all, the noises that hit our, bath, our, our hallway floor. But that's not the point, the people serving us because they were just walking right into it, like dropping stuff off on the, on the front porch instead of being like, let me know if you need anything. That was just not the case. 
So we give. We can help by serving others and resourcing them with something they may not even know that they needed. It could have been something like, hey, they need Powerade. It could be something like, hey, I know your marriage is struggling too because you've shared some stuff in Grow Group. And just know, like, we're not trying to fix that, but maybe if you need some resources to a marriage counselor, somebody who's equipped and licensed to help with this, that there are some great resources out there too because we believe in you. So ways to walk it out. Another great way, Grow Groups. I can't talk about it enough. I love Grow Groups. I love studying the content. I love arguing about the content of Grow Groups and what books we're going to do. I love all of it. I love small groups, and I love being with people. And this is a chance where you get to do life together for six weeks, 13 weeks at a time, and establish deeper relationships with all or some in the group where you can do life together. And walk through some content. This is a step that we can take. We can walk through content. There's a great group called Freedom Group. It's not always offered, but man, that Freedom Group, it really does offer a lot of freedom. You do some work. It can be a little uncomfy at times. But it is so worth it. Even doing a marriage group. I mean, if you want to see some chaos go down, Derek and I led our first one. It was a lot of fun. We learned a lot of things about each other. It was incredible to watch other people learn things about their marriage and stuff too. Fun things, not all bad, just like my husband's still keeping this record of wrong. 16 years. <laughs> or like the stupid things that we would bring to group and talk about. We can do life together to walk this out. That's the way that we don't just point to Jesus. Thoughts and prayers. We don't just point to Jesus. We show them Jesus. We hold space, we pray now for them, and then we walk it out together. Just like in Matthew 5, 14, 16, you're the light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. I feel like that's, it's like be the shiny. We talked about that a long time ago. We have the t-shirts say be the shiny because it wasn't just like, Show shiny. It was be the shiny. Walk this out. There's things that we can do. And so it's loving others, serving them, caring for them in the way that we talk about speaking to them, speaking about them to others in the way that we relate to others, and in every single way too. Not just from in person, but our social media, everywhere in between to be that shiny. Because could you imagine where imagine the difference that we can make if we continue to show others Jesus and instead of just bypassing it with our own spirituality, bypass, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, showing them Jesus. Hey, I'm here for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for giving us ways to care for each other and ourselves through your word and through relationships and through a relationship with you, Jesus. Help us to respond in ways that Help us continue to show Jesus instead of merely pointing. But maybe you've been wondering where God the Father has been or feeling like you don't know what he's called you to or what all of this is about, but you're feeling something like you know it might involve him and you're ready to know him. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you think you're ready to know him, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. And for those looking to have a relationship with Jesus, if you're ready, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. And I also ask that we don't pray alone. I know it can be scary, but I don't want you to have to pray alone. So just repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. 
show me how to live for you and tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes. Amen. You have to know that if... Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.